an order to, to the way that we're going to do it. So um, as they're passing out the cups, I just want to explain a little bit about what the Passover is. It's a celebration from the book of Exodus in the Old Testament where God freed the Jewish people from slavery. God, God took them out. They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And through miracles, God brought them to freedom. And that's a picture of what God has done for you. If you've got Jesus in your heart, then God has taken you out of slavery to sin, and he has brought you to freedom. And and that's the symbolism of of the Passover, and and that's what we're going to discuss tonight. So Lee is here with her kids, and they're going to come up, because the way that the Jewish people start the um, Seder is by asking what are called the four questions. And usually it's the youngest person that asks the four questions, which is usually me, but I found some younger people tonight. So Lee is going to come up and her kids are going to ask the four questions which we're going to answer tonight. Why is this night different from all the other nights? Why is it that on all other nights during the year we eat either bread or matzah, but on that on this night we eat only matzah? Why is it that on all other nights we eat all kinds of herbs, but on this night we eat only bitter herbs? Why is it on all other nights we eat Why is it that on all other nights we do not dip our herbs even once, but on this night we dip them twice? Why is it on all other nights we eat either sitting or reclining, but on this night we eat in a reclining position? I just wanted to answer the question about why we recline. Um, And I wrote a little something that I just wanted to read to you. Just like we lean on our pillows to remind us that we are now free and no longer live as slaves, not bound by poverty, not bound by the law anymore, but we are finally free to take part in the leisure and the comfort of God's love and promises. As many of you know, the night that Jesus was betrayed and and, and taken up, um, John was resting in the bosom of Jesus. And John knew that in the bosom of Jesus there was freedom to rest, no more bound by fear and sin, but knowing that in the Savior's arms we find rest for our souls, knowing that we are forever protected by the blood, forever redeemed, forever embraced at the home in the heart of God. Amen. So that's the answer to the first question. And we're going to answer all the other questions tonight. And on the Passover... 
the Jewish people drink four cups of grape juice. And every one of those cups are symbolic for what the Lord did. So I'm waiting for my cup. Oh, my cup is coming. But while my cup is coming, first let me remind you, we're going to drink the cups, but we only have enough in each cup to last the whole night. So we just want you to take a sip for each cup that we drink. It's what Jesus drank these same cups the night before he died. And if you have kids, you might want to hold on to their cup so they don't spill it. But the first cup that Jesus drank the night before he died was called the cup of sanctification. And here's what sanctification means. It means set apart. Because when God brought the Jewish people out of slavery in Egypt, he set them apart from the other nations. And he told them to follow his laws and to worship only him. And that from the Jewish people would one day come Jesus the Messiah. But for us as Christians, every one of us has been set apart by God. You are now made holy. God has taken you out of the world, out of the common, out of the place of sin. And God has set you apart and he has made you holy. That's why you can lift up holy hands. That's why you can praise him with your lips. Even if you've cursed people with your mouth. Because of the sanctification of God making you holy, you can worship, you can praise Him. You know what sanctification means? It means because you've been set apart, when God looks at you, He doesn't see you according to your sin, but He sees you according to the perfect life that Jesus led for you. And you are a holy people set apart, called for the purposes of God to serve him, to bring him glory on the earth. So we're going to take the first cup called the cup of sanctification. And we're going to drink it again, just take a sip in order to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. He's taken all of us sinners, some of us the worst sinners on this earth. And taken us out, called us to himself, and made us a holy people. You are a pure and holy man or woman of the Most High God, no matter what you've done, if you've got Jesus in your heart. So, Father, we just drink this cup in thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to ask now if the ushers can begin to pass out the matzahs. I want everybody to get two pieces of matzah. And I'm going to come down here and get mine. Stacy, could you just hand me? So everyone is going to get two pieces of matzah. And the reason why the Jewish people on Passover used matzah 
instead of any other kind of bread is because the normal bread that you buy in the store that rises, it's a loaf of bread, it takes a long time to make that. The Jewish people, they were in a hurry to get out of slavery. See, when you hear about Jesus, you better be in a hurry to receive him, to walk out of the place of bondage and sin. And God told them just to bake bread without yeast. Now, why yeast? Because yeast or baking soda is a picture of sin. Do you know why it's a picture of sin? Do do we have any bakers here? Anyone who bakes? So when, when you bake, do you have to put a lot of yeast or baking soda in the loaf? How much? Just a pinch, a little bit, and that little bit of sin, of, of yeast or baking soda, it goes through the whole lump, and it causes it to rise. And that's a picture of sin. Why? Because if you just tolerate a little bit of sin in your life, if you just say, well, I'm, just, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do what's right, but I'm not as bad as those people over there. It's going to begin to affect you. See, we, we want to live a pure and holy life before God. And you see this matzah? And, and you could just hold it a second and look at it. Do you see it's flat? That's a, that's a picture of Jesus because he was sinless. He had no sin. There was no yeast. It, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that when we keep the Passover, that we need to keep it without the yeast of sin and malice and pride. Because why, why is yeast also a picture of pride? Because it puffs up. See, this bread is not puffed up like the wonder bread. This bread is flat without sin. And that's how we need to live our lives. No pride. No sin. We, we, want, we want to live according to Jesus' ways. And I thank God for his mercy and his grace when I do sin. But I'm not going to take that for granted because if I just if I just decide, well, I'll just do a few bad things. That's okay. Eventually, it starts to affect everything in my life. So, does everybody have a piece of matzah to look at? Well, if you don't have it, you could look up here in the meantime. You see this. Those of you who have it, look at it. Do you see the stripes? Does everybody see the stripes in the matzah? That's a picture of Jesus. Because what does the Bible say about Jesus? That by his stripes we are healed. What does it mean, stripes? Jesus was whipped and it made stripes. It left a mark on his back. And because he took the pain and the suffering for us, We can be healed and made whole. You can go out of here today 
healed in your body and your mind and your emotions. Because as Jesus was being whipped, he took the pain and suffering so that you don't have to carry that. You don't have to carry all the weight of of all the abuse because he carried it for you. You also see it's pierced or it has holes in it. And what does the Bible say about Jesus when they made the holes in his hands and feet? He was pierced for our transgressions. In other other words, when when Jesus took the nails in his hands and his feet, he, he took our sin upon him. See, we should have been the ones hanging on the cross. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. You know what that means? In the Old Testament times, the Bible said not to work on, on the Sabbath, which is Saturday. If you said, I don't care what the Bible says, I'm just going to go out and work anyway, they, you didn't get punished. They would take you outside the city gates, and if you were guilty, they would stone you to death. See, in the Old Testament times, if you sinned against God, the penalty was death. Don't you thank God that we don't live in those times, that we live in a day of grace and mercy, where there's forgiveness for us, and that Jesus took the penalty that you deserve. You deserve to die. I deserve to die every time I do something against God. But Jesus hung on the cross, and the nails going through his hands and his feet brought forgiveness for me, for you. Because he bore the weight of the punishment that we deserve. So this, this matzah, without leaven, without sin, is a picture of Jesus who was without sin. That the, it's pierced as Jesus' hands and feet were pierced. It has stripes. Just as Jesus had stripes on his back as he was whipped. And this is called in the Bible the bread of affliction. And Jesus was afflicted. He suffered so that you can have peace and joy in your home, in your family, in your life. And here's what the Jewish people do. They take three pieces of matzah. And according to the Jewish people, they believe it means Israel, the priest, and the high priest. But I don't believe that. I believe it represents the Father, the Son, and who? And the Holy Spirit. And what they do is they take the middle matzah, which I believe symbolizes Jesus, and they break it. Isn't Jesus' body was broken? And then they take a, a white napkin and they wrap it up. What does that remind you of? When Jesus was killed, he was wrapped in grave clothes. And then what the Jewish people do is they take it and they hide it. And I'm going to ask Michelle's going to get ready to help me with this. They hide it, and at the end, all the kids look for it, and whoever finds it gets a prize. And it's the same thing for every one of us. Jesus is hidden to a lot of people. Maybe even to some of you here tonight, you've never encountered him. You've never seen him. 
But if you can find Him, you get the prize of eternal life. So Michelle's going to come and hide this, but all the kids, now close your eyes, because there's always somebody cheating, and then they get in trouble in the end. Because you see Alice here? She knows who's cheating. I don't know how she knows, but God's showing her right now. She's getting a picture in her mind of everyone cheating. And at the end of the time, we're gonna, all the kids are going to look for it, and Pastor Melissa has a prize for whoever finds it. So here's what we're going to do next. This is the nastiest thing you ever did. Some of you remember from last year, you're, still, you're shaking with fear right now. But one of the questions that was asked was, how come on other nights we don't dip our bread into herbs at all, but tonight we dip it into bitter herbs? And we have what's called bitter herbs, which is horseradish. And you know what it symbolizes? It symbolizes the bitterness of slavery. Because God told the Jewish people every year to get together as a family and tell the story of the Passover to your children. Why tell it to the children? Because the kids need to know the power of God, what God has for them, but also we need to tell them about how bitter it is not to have Jesus in our hearts and our lives. And for us as Christians, we're going to taste the horseradish as in what's called an object lesson. I used to be a preschool teacher. And as we taste the bitter herbs, don't, don't pass it to explain it so they know. As, as you taste the bitter herbs, I want you to take a few minutes and remember what it was like not to have Jesus. Remember the bitterness of what it was like. Because I believe if we take time to remember what it was like not to know Jesus, the hopelessness, the depression, maybe it wouldn't be so easy for us to, to run away from him every time we go through a difficulty. I see so many people who used to worship at altars, people who loved God, and they went back into the world and forgot about Jesus. Maybe if we took time to remember the bitterness of sin. And do you know that Jesus took the bitterness for you? He was betrayed. He was tormented. He was mocked. Because Jesus did this, he took the matzah, he dipped it into the bitter herb, and he said, the one I dip into the bowl with is the one who's going to betray me. And it was Judas, one of his best friends, betrayed him. And all of Jesus' friends ran away at the time he needed them. And Jesus had a bitter life, so you don't have to. You don't have to walk in bitterness, depression, unforgiveness. You can be free tonight. 
So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pass around the bowls, and I'm going to ask you to take one of the pieces of matzah, dip it in, and it tastes nasty because that's a taste of sin. Sin is nasty, and you begin to thank God of what he set you free from. And so while we're doing that, I'm going to ask, um, Lee is going to come back up, and she's going to begin to begin to pray. Lord, I just come before you right now, Lord, and I ask that as we all partake of this bitter herb, God, that we would be reminded, Lord, of the sweetness of your love and how our sin was so bitter to our soul, how our sin was so bitter to our mind, how our sin just had such a torment and such a torture in us. But, God, your love became sweet in us, Lord God. Your love overtook all that bitterness. Your sacrifice on the cross, Lord, when you died and you shed your blood for us, Lord God. You made our lives better than they are today. And let us never, ever forget, Lord, where you've taken us from, the road that we once walked, but now we see light. But now we walk in redemption. But now we walk in forgiveness. But now we can walk into eternity knowing that our bitter past is behind us that we are no longer condemned for our sin, but that we are free in your love, that we are free in your grace, that we are free in your mercy. And, Lord, I ask that we would be careful to never take advantage of that grace. God, I ask you, Lord, that you would continue to draw us with your loving kindness that we may serve you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I know... Do it. I especially want the people in the sound booth to get a big thing of this. We don't want to leave them out. So I'm going to ask you to take the cup again. Remember, don't drink the whole thing. The second cup of the Passover, don't drink it yet. If you did, it's okay. We're not We're not too strict here. But the second cup of the Passover is called the cup of judgment. Because, see, God raised up a man named Moses. He was just an ordinary man out working in the desert with his sheep. And God appeared to him. And he said, you go to the king of Egypt the Pharaoh, and you go right to his throne and you get in his face and you say, Pharaoh, let my people go because they were slaves. And you know what the Pharaoh said? He said, no. So God performed ten judgments or ten plagues against the Egyptians. For example, he turned all the water into blood. Another example, he made grasshoppers fill the whole land. Even in people's beds, they were sleeping and there were grasshoppers all hopping all over them. Grasshoppers in their food. Another plague was that it was dark 24 hours a day. 
And every time God did a plague, the Pharaoh said, okay, I'll let the people go. And then he changed his mind until the end, when finally the greatest plague came, which we'll talk about. But it took God's anger and wrath poured out on Egypt to bring freedom for his people. And this second cup, called the cup of judgment, which symbolizes the wrath and judgment and anger of God against sin. See, because God is a judge, and he's a righteous judge. And when there's sin and rebellion on earth, he can't just turn away from it. As a righteous judge, he has to judge it. But Jesus took this cup in the Garden of Gethsemane, this cup of the judgment, the wrath of God against sin. And he said, Father, if there's any other way that you can bring forgiveness of sin, if there's any other way you can free this people without your wrath and anger being poured out on me, then let this cup pass from me. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What is this cup representing God's anger and wrath against sin? Jesus drank it. And that's why all the wrath and anger of God was poured out on him on the cross. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God the Father, he can't even look at sin. And as Jesus hung on the cross, the Father turned his head away. And do you know why? So that it would never happen to you. Jesus took the wrath of God, the punishment of God on himself. He drank this cup so that you will never have to. You'll never have to be separated from the Father. You're free from the wrath and the punishment of of God. You are a beloved people. It caused God everything to win your love. And he said it was worth it. The Bible says it pleased him. As hard as it was for the father to watch his son die, the word says it pleased him because he loves you so much. And Jesus loved you so much, he was willing to take the wrath and anger of God. So I'm going to ask you to put this cup down. You're never going to drink the wrath and anger of God on yourself. Even in the end times when it's poured out on the world, on the rebellious, it's not going to be poured out on you because Jesus drank that cup in your place. So here's the next thing we're going to do. I'm going to ask the ushers to come back again. We're keeping that they're earning their money today. How much Pastor George pays you? You got union wages, right? And I want everyone to take one of these um, swigs of parsley here. Is that what they call them, swigs? But anyway, everyone just take a piece. 
Oh, it's free. It's a little wilted, but that was the best they could find. We're about to have another nasty experience here. So when you get the parsley, it's green. It represents life. Because slavery is like death. And when Jesus brought the Jewish people out of Egypt, he gave them life. He gave them a new beginning, a new start. And this green, it represents all the blessing of God in your life. It represents that you've been born again, that you walk in the blessings of heaven, that you have the favor of God on your life. But here's what the Jewish people do. They take it and they dip it into the salt water and then they eat it. And the salt water represents the tears of those who are in slavery. Now, why do we have to do that when we're not in slavery? Because God wants us to remember that even, in, even as we're free, as we're walking in God's blessing and favor, that there are people out there who are lost. We're not called to this earth just to be blessed, just to be made rich, to become better people. That's not why Jesus died, only so that I could become the best version of myself. We can do that. But God, God, Jesus died to win the lost, to bring the world back to himself. And right now there are children in houses all over here who are weeping and crying, who are abused without hope. And God wants us to remember their tears. Even in our greatest time, even when we're the most blessed, we're at the altars and we're just filled with joy. God wants us to continually remember that there are those who are hurting, those who don't know Jesus tonight. So what we're going to do now is we're going to pass around the salt water. And I want you to dip the green. And as you taste the tears, I want God to begin to bring to your mind people who you know who don't know Jesus tonight. And I'm going to ask Pastor Lou is going to come, and he's going to pray. So as you receive the, the cup, just dip it in and just begin, to, just begin to remember the laws tonight. Hallelujah. Lord God, we come before you, Father God, and we just pray right now, Father God, for those who don't know you, Father God, those you've put in, in our lives, whether it be our relatives, God, whether it be our cousins, our mothers, our sisters, our brothers, God. Lord, I just pray, Father God, Lord, that you reach out to them, Father God. Lord Jesus, put in our hearts, Father God, the, 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 the love for the souls, Father God, for those who don't know you, Father God, to reach out to them, Father God, to pray for them, to speak life into them, oh, Father God. Lord, even people in our jobs, Father God, our co-workers, our 
our bosses, Father God. Help us. Give us a heart for them, Father God, Lord. Even even at times, you know, people get on our nerves, Father God. We may love on them and give us a heart for them, oh, Father God, Lord. And because, you know, even for those that are, uh, as Gary said, Father God, for those that are broken, Father God, those who have been abused, Father God, those that are, 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 are in depression, looking to commit suicide, Father God, I just pray, God, that you give us a heart. Let us be sensitive to your spirit, Father God, to give them a timely word, Father God, to reach out to them, Father God, Lord. Even in this community, Father God, you know, give us the heart for this community. We are community church, Father God. Let's be there, you know, for the community and reach out to them and just pray for them and bless them and give them words of encouragement. Even if, if they're walking, you know, walking down the street, hi, how you doing? You know, God, so I just pray, God, give us a heart for the souls. God, give us your heart, Father God. Give us a heart for, for even teenagers, God, in their schools, Father God, that they may have a heart for other teenagers, their classmates, their teachers, God, Lord, that they may reach out to them, Father God. So, God, I just thank you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. Amen. So some of you, you're still partaking of it. But while you're doing that, I want to read a scripture from Exodus chapter 12. And this is going to tell us what the Passover is all about. Now, let me explain first. Remember I said that God poured out judgments or plagues against Egypt. He didn't want to. He told Moses, go ask first. But the heart of the king was hard. You see, there are people that hate God and will never obey. It's never God's heart to pour out his anger and wrath or his judgment. But when people mess around with the people of God, he will do whatever he's got to do to fight for you. Isn't that good news? But he said... I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to set my people free from slavery. So he poured out these plagues, these judgments. One of the plagues was he killed all the cattle of the Egyptians. But there was one last plague to go because they wouldn't listen. He said, on this night, I'm going to come down from heaven and I'm going to kill the firstborn son of every Egyptian household. But he said, it, but not for my people. I'm going to save my people. I'm going to spare their lives. And this tells us in Exodus 12 how God did that. So Exodus 12, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be for you, your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregations of Israel, saying, On the tenth month of tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. I'm going to go down verse 6. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. 
Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Now, this might be hard to understand. Let me break it down. God did not want his people to die. So he says, I got a plan to save you. He said, every family, I want you to take a lamb. And he said, if your neighbor doesn't have a lamb, you share it with them. And he said, I want that lamb to be without defect, no sickness in it. And I want you to take it on the 14th day of the first Hebrew month of the year. And at twilight, I want you to kill that lamb as a sacrifice for your sin. And that's a picture of Jesus because Jesus became the Passover lamb of God. He was without defect. In other words, he was without sin. And God told the people, if the, your neighbors don't have a lamb, then you share it. And that's a picture of what we're called to do. If you got Jesus, the Lamb of God, in your family, in your life, and your neighbor doesn't, you need to begin to share him with your co-workers, with others around you. And they said, you take that lamb on the 14th day of the first Hebrew month, and at twilight... I want you to kill him and sacrifice him. And do you know that 2,000 years later, Jesus was killed on the 14th day of the first Hebrew month at twilight. He was sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins and became the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Verse 7 And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. I'm going to go down to verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you. When I strike the land of Egypt. What is he saying? God said, I'm coming down from heaven and I'm going to all the pagan Egyptian homes and I'm going to slay the firstborn son of every Egyptian home, but not for my people. He said, you take the blood and you put it on the tops and on the side doorposts. And what, what, so they would take the blood on the brush and they put it on the door post, the top and the side. What, what sign did they make as they did that? The sign of the cross. Do you see the, the, the blood stained wood on the door? And you know what God said? When I come down and bring judgment, And I come to your house and I see the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your house. I'm going to pass over you and I'm not going to bring judgment on you. Then that's why we call this holiday Passover. 
And do you know that's good news for us today? Because God is coming again to judge the world, it says in the book of Revelation. And he's going to destroy the wicked and the rebellious and those who refuse to turn to him. But when he comes to your home and he sees the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus on your heart, he will pass over you and no judgment, no wrath will come to you. You are free. It says in Psalm 91, a thousand can fall to your left side and ten thousand at your right side. It will not come near you. You don't have to fear the terror of the night or the sickness or the pestilence or the plagues that people are afraid of. Because God's wrath is not for you because you got the blood of the Lamb. And if you don't have it before you leave tonight, you better get some. So I'm going to read one more scripture, and then Lee is going to come. Genesis 22. Now, here's another strange story from the Old Testament. There was a man named Abraham. Remember, we went to the book of Genesis. Some of you, a bunch of you are here. Pastor George did a series through the book of Genesis. Well, in Genesis 22, an angel came to a man named Abraham and said, I'm going to test Abraham to see if he loves God more than anyone in this world. And he went to Abraham and he said, I want you to take your son, the son you waited 25 years for, the son of promise, and I want you to put him on the altar and sacrifice him to me. He was out to test Abraham to see how how obedient he would be. So in verse 1, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, who you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand on a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So here's the story. Abraham the father, he went off with Isaac the son. And he took the wood for the burnt offering. And Isaac the son carried the wood to his own death. 
And the Father was willing to do it. Does that remind you of anything from the New Testament? Does that remind you of God the Father, who was willing to give up His only begotten Son that He loved because He loves you so much? And it's a picture of Jesus who carried His own cross. But Isaac, he said, we got the wood, we got the fire, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide the lamb. And do you know that thousands of years later, on that same spot, because Mount Moriah was later called Mount Calvary, God the Father, he watched as his only begotten son, the true lamb of God was sacrificed on that altar. And God provided the lamb for the sacrifice. The angel came and he said, Abraham, don't sacrifice Isaac. It was only a test. But with Jesus, it was not a test. Imagine the pain of the father watching his son die on the cross. But he was willing, and Jesus was willing, so that he could spend eternity with you. That's the love of the father. That's the love that God has for you. So I'm going to, before we do the third cup, I'm going to ask Lee is going to come and share with us. And I'm going to ask Pastor George to get ready afterwards to help us pray. You know, I feel like ever since I was a child, my, my life has just been a series of events where death has passed, passed over and passed over and passed over. And I know that, like many of you in this room, I should not be here today. I should not see this day with my children and my husband, but God's been so merciful. And when I think about recent times, I think about... You know, not only as a child when words of death were spoken over me and people did things to me that death should have came, but God always saw and made sure that that, those words, the effect of those words passed over me and never affected my growth in the Lord and my growth as a woman of God. And I just wanted to share with you briefly, you know, as Pastor Gary asked me to share tonight about the passing over of death. Just recently my husband was in a car accident. And, you know, God had blessed us with a new car, and my husband shared that with everybody. And so two weeks ago, he was at a stoplight, and this Escalade was shooting down Central Avenue. And from what a witness said, it was a red light, and there was a car that came. My husband was at the stoplight, and a car came to make a turn into the parking lot where my husband was. And so this Escalade came and crashed into this small Toyota Matrix and just crushed it. It was just unsalvageable. And then the wheel turned, and it and the car, the Escalade, hit my husband head-on, just rammed right into him. And his car had less damage on it than the two that were hit. The woman who got hit first in the little Toyota Matrix, she was just blood all over her. They had to saw her out of the car. I mean, it was just, it was a horrible sight. And then I thought about the mercy of God. I thought about how what if my husband would have just turned on that red because he was up in Westchester and just thought, oh, I could just make the turn right now. What if he, what if, what if that car would have hit him? That car could have paralyzed him. That car could have killed him. And I just thought about it and I said, God, you are so merciful. And as we're sitting in the car and we're going, you know, to go take care of whatever we had to that day, I just heard the Lord say, 
He said, but when I see the blood, he said, death passes right over. And so tonight, I just, my hope and my prayer for all of you is that maybe you haven't been in a car accident, but maybe it's words of death people have spoken from when you were a child, and maybe you believe it, but just know that when the blood, when the enemy sees that blood, death has to pass over. We recently had somebody doing witchcraft at our door, and it was, this person was relentless, just did witchcraft, and it was disturbing to me and to my children and to my neighbors. And we could feel this, you know, that feeling of death. This person just wanted evil over us. But we knew, we knew we could rest our head at night. Because when the enemy sees the blood on our doorpost, it passes right over. Amen. So I'm going to ask everyone to take, you should have a piece of matzah left. You all should have got two. Now, this second piece, it's, again, it symbolizes the body of Jesus. Remember the stripes, representing the whipping that he took. Remember the holes, that it's pierced like his hands and his feet. And it, it has no yeast, which means that it, it represents Jesus as being totally perfect and sinless. And Jesus took the bread the night before he died. And he said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And this is where communion comes from. That's why we take communion. To remember his suffering. To remember the cost. To remember the price. It cost him everything. You see, as you take communion, yes, there's blessing, there's healing in communion. But maybe sometimes we need to remember all Jesus had to go through to buy us back. In, in other words, the things that you're living for, was it worth Jesus dying for? Sometimes we need to examine our hearts. And this bread represents Jesus' body. It was broken for you so that you can live, so that you can have peace in your heart and your home, so that you could be made whole, and so that you could have healing for your body, for your mind, for your emotions. So we're going to take communion right now, and I'm going to ask Pastor George just to thank God for the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ as we do this in remembrance of him. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the beautiful imagery of the Old Testament, God, and how it paints to what you were going to do in the New Testament, Lord. And so, Father, we just thank you for your body. We thank you, God, for every bruise. We thank you, God, for every piercing. We thank you, God, for the, the beating and the abuse. We thank you for the shame and the guilt and the condemnation that you took upon yourself for us, Lord. Father, we take a moment to remember the death, the pain, the substitution, God. We thank you that you took our place, God. And so, we, Father, we thank you for the body. In Jesus' name, amen.
Remember, there are four cups of the Passover. We're going to do the third cup. So I'm going to ask you to take the cup and leave enough for the fourth cup, which we're going to do right afterwards. And the third cup is called the cup of redemption. Don't drink yet. Again, if you did, don't worry about it. Pastor George is taking notes there, but it's okay. But what does redemption mean? It means God paid the price for your sin so that you don't have to. So that you can have eternal life. And eternal life starts here on this earth. It means right here and right now we can walk with God. We can enjoy the blessings of God. He paid the price for you. And he bought you back by his blood. He brought you, he bought you from eternal death. He bought you from hell. And he brought you to himself. And another meaning for redemption is that is to restore your worth or your value. Because of the blood of Jesus, you are valuable. You are precious. You, you are worth more than all the silver and gold and diamonds in this world. Your value is not determined by your education, your money, where you live, where you were born, who you know. Your value was determined when Jesus died on the cross. You are a precious treasure, and Jesus was willing to pay the price. You are a pearl of great price, that when Jesus saw you, even before you were born, the Word says, He knew you, and He was willing to buy you back. by the It cost Him His blood, His life. And the night before He died... Jesus said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Because to the Jewish people, this cup represents the blood of the lamb that was slain. So that there could be salvation for the Jewish people on that night. And when we drink it, we thank God that he bought us back. There's healing in the, in the blood. There's provision in the blood. There's victory in the blood of the Lamb. Not when you die and go to heaven. Right here when you go home tonight, you'll begin to proclaim and walk in the victory that Jesus' blood brought for you. So I'm going to ask again, Pastor George, as we take communion, if you would just thank God as we do this in remembrance of the sacrifice. Amen. Father, we thank you for redeeming us, God. We thank you, Lord God, for that blood that makes us whole, that blood that heals, that blood that cleanses, that blood that covers, God. We thank you, Lord God, that the blood is on our doorpost of our hearts, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that when wrath comes, when condemnation comes, when death comes, Lord God, we thank you that because of your blood, it passes over us. Lord. So, Father, we thank you for that redeeming blood which makes us whole today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, 
let's do this in remembrance of his sacrifice. So at, at the end of the Seder, the Bible says that Jesus and the disciples, they sang some hymns and rejoiced. And we're going to close with Lee is going to come and do that in a second. But we got one more cup first. This is the last part of the Seder. And this is called the cup of the kingdom. Because the Jewish people believe that one day God would send a Savior, a Messiah, who would come and save them and come into Jerusalem and, and, and bring all the Jewish people from the world into Jerusalem and that the Jewish people along with the Messiah would rule and reign in the nations. See, the Jewish people are looking for a political Savior. They're looking for a military Savior. But we have a Savior who came that brought us forgiveness, who made a way so that we could have peace with God. There's, if you've got Jesus, there's nothing between you and God tonight. You can come boldly into his presence. But as Christians, this has significance for us because there is a coming kingdom when Jesus is coming back, and there's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, and Jesus is going to come this time not as the Lamb of God who suffered. He's coming as the Lion of Judah, and He's going to rule and reign and destroy the evil armies of the earth and set up His kingdom, and we're going to rule and reign with Him. Jesus took this fourth cup, and he didn't drink it. You know what the Bible says? He shared it with the disciples because he said, I will not drink the fruit of the vine, this grape juice, until I drink it with you in the Father's kingdom. Because one day, Jesus is coming back, and we're all going to be gathered together in heaven at a big table as the bride of Christ, and we're going to drink this cup with Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to live with Him forever and ever. So as Lee comes to sing, let's drink this cup and rejoice. Because Jesus is coming back. Just before I sing, um, we're going to show a video as I sing. And so if you have any children, um, I just want to kind of give a forewarning. Some of the images are a little bit gruesome of Jesus on the cross. So I just give you a moment if you'd like to take your children out of the room or cover their eyes.
We send all the kids out running wild looking for the um, for the hidden matzah. I, I, I don't want to take anything for granted. So if, if you're here tonight and you don't have Jesus in your heart, you don't, you don't have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your heart, you don't know that if you died today that you would be in forever and ever with him in heaven. You don't know the blessings and the peace of serving Jesus. You don't know the, the hope and the healing. If that's you, I'm, I'm just where you are, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and we want to pray with you tonight. If there's anyone here, it's a free gift. You don't have to sign up for the church. It's between you and God. So if there's anyone here, you've never done this before. Amen. So I'm assuming it's all saints here tonight. But if anybody wants, if anyone didn't raise their hand, but you still would, would like to do it privately, 
um, we have we have Joshua over here, and I would invite you just to come and see him after church, and he'll give you something, and he'll explain to you more of what it means to receive Jesus as Savior. So I'm going to ask for all the kids to stand up. It's going to get crazy in here. It's all going to break down. We're going to look for the hidden matzah, and whoever finds it gets a prize. One, two, three, go! Amen. We got a winner. So Pastor Melissa has a prize for you. But if Jesus is hidden to you and you find him, you get the greatest prize of all. So Sarah is going to come right now and we're going to close in prayer. And we've been talking about the death of Jesus but aren't you glad that on Sunday we celebrate the day that on the third day he rose from the dead and he lived.